Welcome to the Eating Habits for Life podcast. I'm Kate Johnston, certified habit coach, wife, stepmom, and former physician assistant. I help career women finally break free from their unhealthy eating habits. If you're ready to start feeling your best, then I can show you how. Let's go. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to 2023. I was just thinking, I graduated high school in 2001, and I remember thinking that it was so cool that we were now in a new millennium to start off the year with a two in front compared to 1999, for example, felt so different. Now, the year 2000 feels so long ago, and the 1900s, meaning 1900 to 1999, feels so historic. My stepson was born in the 2000s, so I can't even imagine how he thinks of the 1900s. I'm guessing that he thinks my husband Paul and I are just so old. Anyway, this has nothing to do with today's episode, which is on the third part of the behavior sequence. Hopefully you have listened to the first and second episode in this three-part series, because if you have, then this is the episode that ties it all in. If you haven't, definitely listen to them either now or after you listen to this episode. So just sort of to summarize a little bit in case you forgot, the behavior sequence is that sequence of events that is needed for a behavior to actually occur. When a behavior occurs over and over again in the same sequence, it can become a habit. Now, certainly the number of repetitions and the frequency affect if or when it does become a habit. And then once it is a habit, the more it's done after that, the stronger that habit cycle gets. The habit cycle is just the behavior sequence on repeat. But don't worry, because no matter how long you've been doing a particular eating habit or how strong you feel it is, just as you can form that habit, you can also weaken and eventually break that habit. And even if you feel like you've been trying and can't, or you feel like you've gotten somewhat close but just slipped back, it's only because you don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle. You might have gotten some of the puzzle, but there may be some pieces missing and you just don't know where they are. Meaning you're doing some things that are the right things, but you may not necessarily know all of the other things that are going to be super helpful and even necessary for you to break those eating habits. If you want to get all of those pieces so you can complete that puzzle, then let's talk. We can hop on a Zoom session and talk about where you're struggling, where you'd love to be, and how we can get you there together. You can visit katemjohnston.com forward slash consult. Just submit a few dates and times that work for you for a free consult, and we'll talk about all of what you are struggling with and what puzzle pieces you may be missing. I don't know why the puzzle analogy came up, but it made sense and it is winter time and puzzles are popular this time of year. I used to love doing puzzles just a few years ago, but we um, stopped doing them because we discovered that our dog was eating puzzle pieces when we would take a break for a few days from the puzzle. So all of a sudden we would be missing a hundred pieces or so. It makes completing the puzzle very difficult. All right, so the third piece of the behavior sequence is the reward, meaning some sort of pleasure or avoidance of pain or conservation of energy. These are the three things in the motivational triad that from the start of time served as rewards that helped to motivate human beings to do things, to do things that helped them to survive specifically. 
Humans were not born with this little thing in their brain that just told them to go and gather food and keep warm and avoid scary animals. They were, however, born with this internal desire to survive. And there were things that happened in the brain, which included release of certain hormones that encouraged them to do the things for survival. It was very complex and obviously a very important thing because that's why we are all here today. Their reward was, of course, that they survived, but also the reward was either pleasure, avoidance of pain, or conservation of energy. Conservation of energy can either equal actually just saving effort or energy, or it can mean increasing your energy with calories from food. So translate this to everything in life and modern day, the motivation behind the actions that we do, including eating behaviors, is pleasure, avoidance of pain or discomfort, and conservation of energy. So think of these as the rewards for a behavior. The behavior sequence, as you learned, starts with a trigger, something that sort of cues or prompts you to do an action or behavior. Next is the behavior itself, the action itself, right? It must be doable. It can't be impossible to do, otherwise you won't do it. Lastly, you must have some sort of a reward, right? Something to motivate you. Think the motivational triad to do the behavior and of course to do the behavior over and over again. Back in the day, humans didn't need to just go and hunt one single time, right? They needed to do this over and over again for survival. Now, a reward can sort of be classified into immediate rewards and longer term rewards. And you can even think about this in the survival way as well. The humans might have done something to survive immediately, like run from a bear who looked really hungry, but also cumulatively all the things that they were doing for survival helped them to survive in the long term as a species, right? Think of having babies. They needed to keep the human species going, so they created other little humans. So with all behaviors, there is some sort of immediate reward and typically some sort of a longer-term reward. This is where it can get a little bit tricky, not too tricky, but a little bit tricky. I'll explain. With an unhealthy eating behavior specifically, and again, unhealthy, there may be an immediate reward of a very short-term pleasure or avoidance of some sort of uncomfortable emotion and even conservation of energy, but where's the long-term reward with an unhealthy eating behavior? So back in the day, maybe overeating was a good thing for survival because food was very scarce, but not so much nowadays. Typically, long term, there is no reward with an unhealthy eating behavior, only short term. That short term reward usually happens right after the eating behavior, which just makes your brain want to do that behavior again. With a healthy eating behavior, there's definitely a long term reward better health, better quality of life, more ability to feel your emotions and manage your emotions in a healthy way, and even prolongation of your life, right? The thing with the healthy eating behaviors is that that long-term reward is very well established. It's known. 
But because it's so far away in the future, we also need something that's more immediate to encourage us to do that healthy eating behavior over and over again. Just like how an unhealthy eating behavior typically has an immediate reward right afterwards that makes your brain want to do it again and again, right? If you want to break an unhealthy eating habit, what do you think you need to do? You're going to need to have some sort of a reward right after you deliberately don't do the eating behavior that you're trying to decrease. Having this reward after you deliberately don't do that eating behavior that you're trying to do less of encourages you to continue to deliberately not do that eating behavior. Almost think of it like a child. Now, I'm not an expert on parenting. However, if you're trying to get your eight-year-old to stop sucking his or her thumb, you might give a small reward every day that your child doesn't suck their thumb. This is going to encourage your child to not suck his or her thumb because he or she wants the reward, right? Regarding eating behaviors, what I see some women doing is punishing themselves for doing an unhealthy eating behavior. This is just going to make you feel bad, and feeling bad for most people is not going to be good fuel to help motivate you to keep going with the changes that you need to make. So punishing yourself for a certain eating behavior is not the way to go. Rewarding yourself for deliberately deciding not to do it or maybe not doing it quite as much, just being a little bit better, right? That is the way to do it. So I really encourage you to think of some sort of immediate reward that you can give yourself right after you don't do the eating behavior that you're trying to do less of or every time you do a healthier eating behavior that you're trying to do more of. Now I want to talk to you about what type of rewards are best. The speed at which you can give yourself this reward is very, very important. So choose something that is quick. I'll tell you why in a moment, but this can often just be something like a little internal mental celebration. It can be a smile and a few really kind words to yourself. It can be jumping up in the air and hooting and hollering. It can be telling someone nearby that you did something really great. The quicker, the better. That's because your brain will then be able to form a stronger association between what you did or didn't do and that reward. If you wait too long, like even an hour, it's kind of like it's no longer part of that behavior sequence, that three-part sequence. But when you do it immediately after the action or behavior or after the inaction, it's then a really strong part of that behavior sequence. Another type of reward that you can do fairly quickly is if you have a behavior or habit tracker, either on paper or on your phone, and you can put a little check mark in a box or a circle. Studies show that this is very satisfying for humans, as simple as it is, so this actually serves as a nice little immediate reward as well. I personally think some sort of little internal mental celebration, um, a smile, right? Just a smile can make you feel really good inside. I think this is a little bit stronger personally, but everyone's a little bit different. So you might respond better to that satisfaction of checking the little um, box or circle. 
You can also do rewards that are a little bit more further out in addition to those immediate rewards. For example, if you have your little immediate rewards, say a little internal celebration for right after the action or inaction, but then you also have a reward for doing or not doing something for a little bit longer period of time, that can be really helpful too and fun, which is a big reason why it's helpful. If something is fun, you're going to want to keep it up, right? So for example, you might decide that if you don't eat donuts for breakfast and instead eat maybe something like oatmeal five out of the seven days a week, then you'll reward yourself maybe with something a little bit bigger than just internal celebration. What I would caution you against though is choosing a food reward. This kind of defeats the purpose. Sometimes it can work, but you typically just don't want to confuse food and reward because then you'll just confuse your brain. So I really just advise against making your reward food related if you can. The next thing I wanted to talk about is that long-term reward. The long-term rewards are all the amazing things that you're going to end up with as a result if you break your bad eating habits or even if you just add in some healthier eating habits. So I recommend that you really sort of sit and think about all the different areas of your life that will improve with your better eating habits. Write these things down so you can see them in front of you and really become aware of them, really acknowledge them. Even if it's just eating less sugar, how will things improve with your body if you eat less sugar? Maybe less bloating. Maybe you'll lose several pounds. Maybe your skin will improve. In fact, I know all of these things will happen for you, but just try to think of the things you know will likely happen, but also some things you think might happen as well, even if you don't know for sure. How will things improve even with your mood if you eat less sugar? Some people notice that they are in a somewhat negative mood or irritable mood when they eat a lot of sugar. A friend of mine just told me today that she's noticed that she's been a little bit more irritable in the past 24 hours or so, and she thinks it's because she ate a lot of sugar on New Year's Eve. This can definitely occur. Also, if it's affecting your health as far as maybe diabetes, Think of all the potential negative things down the road that can occur if you have diabetes or if the diabetes worsens, right? Lots of different complications that can happen. Lots of time spent in the doctor's office and maybe even in the hospital. Even lots of money with copays and deductibles. Lost time at work. Lost time with family and friends. When you think of all the different areas in your life that you can improve or even just bad things that you can help to avoid with just one simple eating behavior change, you really start to see the magnitude of the reward, even if it's in the future. Keep this list that you write down in a place that you can see on a daily basis. It will help to serve as a reminder of those long-term rewards because trust me, you're going to need this reminder over time to help serve as that motivator, right? So this is a really huge motivator to keep making the changes that you're trying to make for long enough that it becomes new eating habits for you or long enough that you're able to break certain eating habits. 
And I, of course, have to add in that it's not just the end results or the end rewards that are important. It's who you become in the process because you're learning skills along the way to break those bad eating habits the right way and you're becoming a different person because of that. That's why the changes are easier to maintain long-term because you become that person. You evolve and grow into the person who no longer has the same eating habit struggles. Doesn't that sound glorious? I think so. It's kind of like if you've never been a tennis player before, if you put on some tennis clothes, you may look like a tennis player, but you haven't actually developed the skills to be a tennis player. Same thing is true with eating habits, but once you start playing some tennis and work with a tennis instructor, you start learning those tennis skills very efficiently and turn into an actual tennis player. If you're trying to lose weight, for example, and you do a diet to lose 30 pounds in a very short period of time, you haven't actually become the person who has the skills to maintain the weight loss. That's why many people just gain it back. When you become that person who has really addressed the eating behaviors and the different things that are the underlying causes of the eating behaviors, you're able to maintain all of those amazing rewards. My philosophy is why put in the effort if you don't get to keep the rewards, right? So if you want to do this, then let's talk. I recognize that it may be tough for you on your own to address the underlying causes of the eating behaviors, of course it's going to be tough to do that, right? But that's why I'm here and there's no better time than now. Putting it off does not serve you. You're just delaying all of those rewards that you can start having now. You're just delaying becoming that person that you're going to feel so much better as once you become that person. If you're ready, then let me know when a good time would be to talk by visiting katemjohnston.com forward slash consult. You can also do so by visiting the episode page. Take care. Thanks for joining me in this three-part series. And if you haven't watched the first two parts, definitely go back and watch those. I will link those on the episode page and I'll talk with you soon. 